3: What time is it, kids?
1: This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring
3: Bob Lutz. When it's radio, it's just those words are gone. It's sure still, are. Everything we do here, it's in a vacuum. Jeff Lutz.
1: I have something against most older people's ideas. They just don't have any. We're at the top of pretty much everything. And here are boomers. Hey, I got my house and my social security, and I'm good. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Your visit is always discreet.
3: Stand by for action. Hello again, everybody. It is a Tuesday edition, the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH Radio. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz, co-hosting Max Power, as always, producing and engineering the IHOP Hotline 83, what is the number? 8691240 I did that a little differently and I uh Eight,
1: 3 where were you up. going with that No no Why did not you uh call to get me something from Arby's What well, do you want something I got a couple roast beef sandwiches but I was going to save them for tomorrow
3: Well I mean it would have been a nice gesture Well chances are I don't
1: want anything uh, cuz we eat dinner fairly early now here Well I got to have lunch cuz I'm uh headed out to Riverfront tonight and I don't know. Who do they have in for this? I have no idea. I think it's San Antonio. Really?
3: Yeah. Um, that's Admissions. the farm double-A club of the Padres, right? I believe so, yes. Um, so, yeah, the Padres double uh, A's are here Is that tonight. Did he
1: Salas, or did he get called up to high-A? No, he got called up to double-A.
3: So uh, that's at the age of 19. He's like 17. No, he's older
1: than that. No, he's not.
3: Well, I, I know he is, so I've Actually, read about him. I know him. that he's not. Well, I've read about him, and you can continue to bury your head in the sand. Ethan Salas is 17 years old. No, he was 17 when he was drafted, when he was
1: signed. No, sir. Yes, sir. He is 17 years and 89 days old, and he is playing in A. And that's impressive. So I'll get to see him. That's exciting.
3: Well, I suppose, except I think he's 19. <laughs> Here's uh, what we do have for you on tap today here on the show. At uh, 225, Stephen Johnson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram will break down TCU football. Uh, after that, we'll talk to Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director. At the top of our number two, Roger Wallace, lead anchor from KX something in uh, Austin, Texas, KXKN, I believe, uh, will join us to uh, talk about the University of Texas football. And in hour number two, we'll have a game. What's the game today? Do you know? Oh,
1: yeah, I got a game. It's a baseball-related game, and you'll probably struggle, but it's one of those I want to see what you know kind of games. And I'm,
3: I'm kind of done with baseball. I told my wife last night that I'm thinking about checking out. I've uh, never done that. I don't know if that's to be admired or... Yeah, just uh,
1: yesterday, you were all gung-ho about that's fascinating and this... Well, it is.
3: It's fascinating when the
1: season's over and you start the, start
3: watching these people who I'm not sure are capable uh, try to rebuild this Cardinals team, but it's not very much fun to watch right now.
1: What happened to the offense?
3: Just nothing going on. Well, they're missing Newt Barr, they're missing Donovan, missing some guys table setters and they can't get any hits but when you face Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler Aaron Nola and Blake Snell in three consecutive
1: games not a lot of teams are going to get a lot of hits I hear you but you lost to the Pirates you lost to the Mets this is uh and you hit it not little
3: very bit. good you you know what you went out last night in a must game and and just you know what well gave up 10 runs to the twins who couldn't score ten runs in a
1: month. Yeah, our our uh, you're terrible. Our young pitching is getting tired and worn down. Xavier, no, that's a, that's an excuse. Xavier Curry, not sure he has that's it an anyway. Excuse. Daniel Norris, we know doesn't have it. Who came in? It's not good. Well, now you're seven out after yesterday, kind of tweaking that. Oh, I'm,
3: I'm this is. Cole Calhoun and Rafael Laureano are just... Ramon, why do you... Whatever, they're just... Uh, they're just... Well,
1: Ramon Laureano had a couple more hits yesterday.
3: They're not, they're Gabriel not good. Gabriel Arias
1: had a couple hits. Uh,
3: Royals... Uh, here I go again. Gotta get the Royals in. Blank by Jovan Oviato from the Pirates, who was traded by the Cardinals. Yeah, but he's not that good. He's pretty good. He's... Pretty good. He's okay at best. He's the kind of guy that could be a two or three starter. Mm, We might differ on that. I think he's going to be pretty good. That's my opinion. Uh, He's lost a bunch of games this year, but the Pirates aren't very good. They don't ever give him run support. They got him two runs last night or four. Wasn't it two to nothing?
1: I don't know. I know Um, that uh, Zach Grinke pitched. I know the Royals didn't score. Well, Oviedo
3: had a shutout. Right. I understand. And you that. hardly ever see shutouts in today's game.
1: Doesn't happen often. So I'm, I'm going to give him. Up his numbers. I'm going to give him enough.
3: Well, his numbers aren't great.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. He might not be but that I, good.
3: But, but his numbers of late have been a lot better. And his problem is that he walks too many people. But he hasn't walked as many of late. Um, so we'll see. I, I happen to believe Jovan Oviedo will be a key player for the Pirates moving forward. Okay. He'll be in, in their rotation when they're a contender. I don't think that's true, but uh, I could be wrong. Well, I'm, I've got a better track record. Not really. I do. You pop off. You know off. what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop with all the nonsense right now. I've got a better track record than you do. You absolutely, in, the, do in not. the game of baseball, there's no question about it. There's so many questions, and about uh, it. we're not even going to
1: entertain the thought, thought that Ethan I don't. Salas was 26 years old in Double
3: we're, A. We're just going to stop with any thought that you approach me when it comes to baseball acumen.
1: Well, that's just it's just insane. not. It's, well, that's whatever. That's just insane. That's, why would you even think that? Because it's the truth. But why would you think that?
3: Well, because because I, I acknowledge the truth. But what makes it true? Because I know it. But what? Give My me years of experience. Okay, I've got plenty. I I surpass you. Mm,
1: Not really. I know more about baseball than you do. That's just so wrong. It's absolute I can't even imagine how wrong that must be. It's absolute. Who taught you the game? I taught myself most of the game. You taught yourself? Yeah, you don't deal in analytics or you don't deal with, uh, you just deal with who's winning and who's losing. I taught you how to play baseball. There's no question about that.
3: I absolutely taught you how to play.
1: Yeah, but my knowledge now, There is... are
3: dads who, would, who couldn't make that statement. My dad couldn't make that statement. He helped. He had some input. But what taught me to play baseball was playing in my neighborhood from the time I was six, seven years old and playing every day and watching the game and just being enamored with it and pouring myself into it. That's what taught me the game, the older guys I played with. Okay, why do you think I didn't do the exact because same Because you thing? didn't. You didn't go out in the neighborhood and yes, play. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I never saw you. Where in the neighborhood?
1: We did that on Sheridan. We did that in Ohio on uh, Bonner Drive. There we there was a little group of us. I was the young youngest one, and I held my own. You didn't
3: learn anything in Bonner Drive. Of course I did. No, you didn't. Nick and Andy and that other guy. Those guys couldn't play dead in the cowboy movie. They were all great players, all much older than me. Well, I'm sure they scoffed when you came along, but I know more about played in my yard. I know more about football. It's just I don't care about football. That's how it was programmed.
1: No, I mean I don't care. I
3: I talked to people about this just the other day, and they were, "How'd you get into the? How'd you get into this field? Why? Why'd you?" And I said, "Sports was all I cared about
1: uh, from the time I was five years old." I just think it's nuts that you think you know more about baseball than me.
3: Well, it's it's. Ask your friend Randy Griffiths, uh, the head baseball coach at North. I think he would admit that I know more than him. If okay. he's well, if I he's know starting. more than him. No, you don't. Of course, I do. He coaches the game. What What does that mean? Who cares? I've seen you out coaching with kids. Uh, hey, uh, over there, I uh, the ball. You keep moving the goalposts. I mean,
1: nothing. You keep moving the goalposts.
3: Well, what first
1: of his? I taught you. Then it was well, you don't coach. And I thought we were just talking about who knows more about the game. And that's me. You mean more about the actual dynamics of the game? There's no question. I know. more. Of course, I do.
3: Uh, I wish I had Brent Kimnitz on the phone. That's right not now.
1: even. Well, Brent, no offense to Brent, still stuck a little bit in the 70s uh, with. Oh, his, my some, God. Some of his philosophy. I wish he'd come over here right now and <laughs> pound you into the dirt.
3: Uh, Here's what happened back in the uh, 1980s. Uh, Gene Stevenson and Brent Kimnitz offered a baseball class at Wichita State. Okay. One hour of credit (laughs) to uh, whomever took it and passed it. Uh, I took it because I uh, enjoyed, obviously, baseball. The textbook was, it's probably still around here somewhere. Uh, Do you remember Ron Polk? No. he was a coach at Mississippi State he put out a textbook about baseball the instruction of it uh, the dynamics of it it was it was thick I mean, it was it was quite a deal and uh, in the final the final test of the semester uh, there were there were a hundred points possible okay and I scored 100 and at that time and I think in the history of that, Class, I was the only one to ever score 100 on that final.
1: Well, I didn't take that class. And had you scored it, I'd have had you in at about I the would, 74. I wouldn't have even needed to show up the for the duration of the class. Just get me to the final 100. See ya. Who calls me with scoring questions? Not me. You. No, I don't. Of course you do. I've never called you with a scoring question. I've called you with scoring like how, how would you have scored this? that's a, is that not a question but i had already scored it yeah but that's
3: a, is that not a question you don't have time to call me to get a sc- it's, but you, it's not an opinion there's no scoring you, but what you want to know is did i make the right call not necessarily i'm gonna call the
1: guy that knows more about baseball no, i'm gonna call the guy who uh might have some idea of what i'm talking about
3: oh my goodness I, I wish there was somebody to get on the phone. Well, I'm sure and, and the anybody. best one, the best one would be Randy Griffiths, who's probably
1: probably not available. It would be insane if he thought you knew more about baseball than me. What about our friend Brian Griffiths?
3: Well, who he's would he pick?
1: Old, so he'd pick you. <laughs> so, anybody who picked me we'll, would just. Uh, what about Jamin Anderson? He'd pick me. No, he wouldn't.
3: Absolutely he would. Oh, now, I want to call him so knowing bad. Knowing that Billy Johnson played for the 78 Reds, which I also know more about that than you do, but that doesn't count as baseball knowledge. I'm talking about the facilities of the game. Which are what? What do you think you know the more about? The way it's played. Okay, I'm around it every day. No, you're not. Yes, I you're am. I'm in a press box eating Skittles. I you're wish I around the Skittles. game. I'm down. I'm down amongst them, kids. Yeah, and, and teaching kids how to play. Right. I could do just that as well. So does that mean you'll coach in League Forty Two next year? I don't know. I got a lot going on. Head coach, you
1: and a couple of the Griffiths guys. <laughs> They're not going to do that. Why? Because they have uh, stuff going on too. Well, you know summer. what?
3: There's there's something uh, there's something exciting about giving back to the community. And not always pointing the finger at yourself.
1: Well, I try to give back to the community. Um, can I tutor you? Yeah. What would you tutor in? Reading, math. I don't know.
3: Well, I mean, if you, you it's we do that. Uh, yeah, sure. So Do we sign you up?
1: Well, how? What's the
3: commitment? It's uh, one hour a day, twice a week. Maybe we'll see. And anybody who wants to do that, help our kids at the Leslie Rudd Learning Center, uh, can get a hold of me and uh, we'll get you signed up. We got uh, I'm so excited about uh, that facet of League 42 and our after school. We call it our after school educational enhancement program, uh, because the goal is to enhance. Right. Right. So that's what we're going to start doing here shortly. But anyway. Uh, anybody who has a question about baseball, give me a call, and uh, I'll <laughs> clear it up And, and I'll you, answer it. And uh, we'll go on from there. There you go. Okay. Uh, NFL rosters cut to 53 today. I don't get into that. I don't know really what it means. I don't well, know enough uh, to really even be able to tell you where the interesting decisions were
1: made. Chiefs traded one of their receivers, uh, who was on kind of the the cut line, who the other day said he's one of the baddest, you know, what's in the game, and he gets traded to Carolina. Chiefs just didn't have a spot for him.
3: Um, well, the Chiefs are, have an embarrassment of riches. That's not to say that all their receivers are top-notch, uh, but it is to say that you become a much better receiver when you have Patrick Mahomes
1: as your quarterback. He should. Well, no, that's not should. It, you do. Well, McCole Hardman might want to disagree with that. There's not everyone that has just become great. Uh, because... I didn't say great. See, well, that, I, I use words, and
3: they, they mean a lot to me.
1: Mm, so sometimes when I, you, when I you don't mess say, up, too.
3: When I don't say you think what McCall you.
1: Hardman is better off.
3: Yes, absolutely. He's much better off. With Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, than he would be anywhere else in the national. I'm
1: not sure. I'm sure. I'm not sure about that. Some guys get squeezed out. Some guys, uh, it's the opportunity. I don't know if it passes them by necessarily, but it's just not the right fit. Even if it's with Patrick Mahomes, usually that would be a great fit for a receiver. But it doesn't always work out that way, and we'll see what McCole Hardman has now. Uh, that he's got Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. It might be different, it might be better, it might be worse. We'll, well see. Well it won't be better. But he's not a guy who thrived. He absolutely thrived. Not really. He was okay as a returner. Uh made some mistakes. Never really clicked as a receiver, but had some ability. Well I, I couldn't disagree more. You couldn't. No. Well, uh that's where I that's my opinion.
3: I I think McCole Hardman uh achieved with Patrick Mahomes better than he's going to achieve in New York? It's possible. New York's loaded at receiver too. They're a little thinner. Well, they're not no, the Chiefs are thinner. I don't think I agree with that. Well, I don't care what you agree with. Uh, the in terms of having proven guys, is Kadarius Tony a proven guy? Is Marquez Valdez Scantling a proven, a proven guy. It's hard to say. Is Sky Moore a proven guy? Now Not all yet. these all these people could be outstanding. Uh, no question about it because they have Mahomes.
1: But I I got to see a little the bit Jets more have Garrett Wilson, who's awesome. Uh, and then there's some questions after that. They got uh, what's it, Lazard? They've got uh, who Aaron Rodgers loves. McCole Hardman,
3: Randall Cobb. I'll take Lazard ahead of McCole Hardman in the uh, fantasy draft we have. I, I'll, I'll bet you Lazard gets taken. I bet he doesn't. I'll bet he does. I bet he doesn't. In, t- in 15 rounds? No,
1: there's no way. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, why? He's their number two guy. Yeah, but uh, he'll probably get taken. But
3: well, then why do you? Whoever this... get, whoever, wait a minute. Gets, whoever takes you him question. will not be
1: good. Let me ask you. I'll bet I can't wait for you to take him. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna take him. I'm gonna see if he got picked in our media draft. Who cares about that? I just want to see. Why do you do what you just did?
3: Uh, he's not gonna be taken.
1: Well, I don't oh, think. I'll bet he does get. Why do I you think f- he will get taken? Okay, is that your f- official stance? I don't know these. I'll bet you anything. He gets I just don't taken. think he provides a whole lot of value, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, but just because a, Aaron Rodgers wants a receiver to have on your bench, there's nothing
3: wrong with him. I, I mean, I I can't even imagine him not getting taken. Uh, will he start? Probably not. Uh, but he could start when bye weeks start to start to hit teams. Maybe. I mean, he's not a bad player. He's all right. I don't understand why you're so uh, down on Alan Lazard. That uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. He was not selected in our draft. Well, that that draft's not a good draft. Well, maybe not, but it's just there's 20. Last year he had six touchdowns. Uh, The previous year he had eight. He's definitely a guy to pick. He's definitely a bench guy in any fantasy draft. Uh, but your league, with your Fuzzies and, and Genos, uh, your media league, that,
1: that was a terrible. He's the run. number two wide receiver still on the uh, waiver wire behind Michael Thomas. Jacoby Myers. These guys probably should be on a roster. Odell Beckham. Well, you only had eight teams. Well, we I had remember. 20 rounds, 160 players. Well, uh, not all these guys know a lot. Uh, I, I agree. Wait, you agree? Yeah, I should. Who are you uh, throwing under the bus? Uh Sully Ingles. Why? <laughs> I didn't like his I didn't like his uh whole vibe. Why? It took like two hours to draft every every time it was his turn. Why? Oh Sully knows. I told him. Well, Don't worry I mean, about... he's given he's given us some thought. Love Sully, but Soley kind of sullied the draft. Who's his quarterback? We get we get two. Well, that's that's what I base it on. Uh, Who is
3: Soley's draft? Nobody values quarterbacks, but in my experience,
1: Jalen Hurts and Deshaun Watson.
3: eh, I don't like that too much. We'll see. I like the Eagles. All right, time for a break, Max. We'll come back talk TCU football. You'll remember just last season they played for the national title. Steven Johnson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram will tell us what's reasonable reasonable to expect from the Horn Frogs this year. Back in a minute.
1: This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH.
3: Where it began. All right, we are back. Time for something sweet. Sweet in the name of these musical offerings this week. Sweet Caroline, of course, from Neil Diamond. Steven Johnson joins us, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He's covering TCU football. Of course, the Horned Frogs, one of the great stories in college football last year until that final night. Uh, But what do we look for? And welcome to the show, Steven. I know this team has lost a lot of firepower offensively. Uh, Have they been able to replace it adequately in your view?
5: Uh, based on what we saw in training camp, we got to watch basically every practice and uh, a couple of scrimmages. I, I think they've done a really good job of replacing uh, replacing some of those skilled guys from last year. Starting their receiver, they brought in guys from LSU, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma State, Minnesota. So we're talking about power five receivers at other schools that came in and I think had strong camps. Uh, Cordell Russell is a guy I think people that could become a big name later on in the year. He's a true freshman or the top 100 four-star recruit. So there's no Quentin Johnson on the roster per se, but I think in terms of depth, I think they're deeper at receiver this year than they were a year ago. And that running back, uh, Imani Baylor, people kind of forget about him, but he was, uh, had, I think, 700, 800 yards at Louisiana, came to TCU, was basically third string running back last year. Now he's set to kind of be the starter, and I think he averaged over eight yards per carry
1: last year, so
5: they don't have quite as much firepower, I think, at the at the high end. But I think TCU still has plenty of playmakers on his roster.
1: You know, in the in the not too uh, distant past, when when a team was having to replace the the likes of Duggan and Johnston and uh, a bunch of offensive linemen and things like that, you know, it'd be uh, we we would. Guess that they wouldn't be as good, uh, but now when you're filling them like you said with these high division one guys, does that make it like harder to know to evaluate what TCU is going to be? Can you project uh, guys who have transferred after playing uh, high division one football to uh, when they go somewhere else?
5: I think so. I, well, I, I should say I think it's kind of you know a case by case basis. You got to really look and see what that guy do. Was he a starter there? or was he just kind of a rotation? Was he mainly special teams? And a lot of the guys that TCU brought in, these guys were starting at their other schools, like J.P. Richardson. Uh, you know, he was, I want to say he's maybe second on the team in catches at Oklahoma State, second in touchdowns. So that's a guy that I already did at the Big 12 level. So that's a guy that you got a really good feeling that he could do it here with TCU. Imani Bailey was a really good player in Louisiana. Showed what he can do after eight, y- eight yards per carry last season. So I think, that most of the guys TCU has brought, they've had success. You know, another guy's like Willis Patrick on the offensive line. This was Jackson State, FCS, but he's got to started all 13 games with Deion Sanders, who's now at Colorado. So I think across the board, TCU really took a, not just a numbers approach, but really a quality approach. They wanted guys that not only played at this uh, at the high D1 level, but also had some type of success, whether it was two years ago or last season.
3: Talking uh, TCU football with Steven Johnson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. So right out of the chute, all the eyes are going to be right back on TCU because their opener is Saturday morning uh, at home against Colorado, and I think we all know who Colorado is coached by. So everybody who's a fan of college football is going to be watching that game. Uh, just talk about that game and the schedule as a whole because uh, the Big 12 schedule is tough for the Horn Frogs road games at K-State, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma.
5: Yeah, I think I think the, honestly the game on Saturday morning, I think that would be the game of the day when you kind of just look at the overall schedule. You know, LSU and Florida State, they play on Sunday, I think. Clemson and Duke play another day. So Saturday, like you said, all eyes will kind of be on that game because you want to see what Coach Prime can do. You also want to see what TCU looks like after that magical season they had. So I'm expecting, you know, sold out of TCU, standing in the room, only tickets, spots, big noon kickoff will be there. So I think for TCU, the big thing for them is they experienced a lot of this last year. They were on college game day a bunch, big noon kickoff a bunch. They were in the playoff. They won a playoff game. So I think they, this is a team that's, more, that's going to be comfortable with that spotlight on them. And, you know, we were talking to Sunday Dice today. They're coming out there with an approach of, they have a bigger chip on their shoulder this year than they did last year because they want to prove to everybody that, hey, this wasn't just some fluke last year. We are a good program. We are one of the top programs in college football. So they're going to come in motivated. And I think the schedule as a whole, it is tough in the back end. But I think, honestly, if they win Saturday, they have a really good shot of going into that Kansas State game, 6-1, and 7-0, where at that point it's, you know, if you go 500 or you go 3-2, and you know, you're looking at maybe a 10 win season, and probably getting, you know, you're close to getting best 18 seed table for the Big 12 championship game.
1: So, we, we talked about the offense and, and replacing some players. They also have a new offensive coordinator in, in Kendall Bryles. How, how do you think, if at all, uh, the offense will be different stylistically?
5: Well, they'll be going a lot faster this year. I want to say Arkansas was top 15, top 10 in just the number of plays they ran last year. TCU was a little bit closer than maybe average because TCU was explosive last year, but I wouldn't, you know, classify them as, you know, a no huddle hurry up offense. They could just go fast when they needed to. TCU's going to be a big part of what TCU does this year. I think they will be a little more creative in some ways, especially with the run game, which I think they might need to, because they don't have necessarily that bell cow like Kendra Miller that can, you know, rush for 1,400 yards. So I think the offense will be a little bit more creative, and they'll have to generate more ways to uh, get their weapons to ball and kind of attack defenses because they have so many weapons, skill guys, running back slots and receivers, that I think they want to get a lot of people to ball. So I think they'll spread it out more this year. They'll go a lot faster. But Kendall Browns is also one of those guys who just has a track record. Wherever he goes, um, Power 5, Houston, Florida Atlantic, he's a guy that puts up a lot of numbers. So I think T.C. will be just fine on offense as well.
3: Steven Johnson, our guest from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We're talking about TCU. Uh, of course, Max Duggan was in many ways the face of TCU football last year. Uh, we forget maybe that he wasn't the starter opening last season. That, that, uh, that was Chandler Morris who was hurt in the opener. Chandler Morris back and healthy. How good a quarterback can Chandler Morris be? And what's it going to be like for him stepping into that uh, role that Max Duggan was just so good at?
5: Well, just, when we're just talking about purely skill set, I think Chandler is a better thrower of the football than Max. Just accuracy, arm strength, touching all those things. The thing that made Max so great is that he just had that warrior spirit. Like We remember what he did in the Big 12 championship game where he basically wheeled TCU to, into overtime in that game. So, you know, it's it's harder to see that aspect of Channel when he's in practice because he can't get hit, you know, you know, he can't take those shots. But I just think in terms of I think I think Channel could be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. Um, I would be a little bit surprised if he wasn't a top five quarterback just with this offense, just with Sonny's track record. Like these guys' quarterbacks normally put up numbers. So no, I think Chandler has a lot of talent. He can move. He can. He's really a guy who's an improviser. What he can do when he gets out of the pocket with both his arms and his legs. So I think I think he'll have a big year. Is he going to be you know the runner up for the Heisman? I think that's probably a bit too much to expect. But I think he's a guy. When it's all said and done, he can contend for one of those uh, quarterback spots on the All Big Twelve team.
1: So how has the spotlight changed around Sonny Dykes uh, in this past? Uh, off season, you know he was well thought of coach but doing it a little bit more anonymously at places like uh, SMU and, and Cal so uh, how has his situation changed could he be a guy I mean Big 12 is the Big 12 obviously but could he be a guy who's in the mix at some point for for an even bigger job
5: well there's some there's been some noise that he was in the running for the Texas job and maybe he was one of the top candidates but obviously they went with Sark so but honestly, I think right now, you know, you never know. I'm not sure. You know, you never know if, uh, let's say, a Florida comes open or something like that. Who knows? But I do know that Sonny and his family they really love it at TCU, and I think he understands how much fit matters. His time at Cal really taught him that. That you know, just because it sounds like a good opportunity, you have to. Everybody has to be in alignment, and everybody is at TCU. He has a great relationship with, relationship with athletic director. Uh, he loves the area, so. Um, but if he keeps winning at a high level, you know, at some point, somebody's probably going to come ho- I'm calling for him, excuse me. But as for the overall spotlight, you know, I had to do a story on this. So I just said not much has changed for him. You know, he's got a bunch of trophies in his office now. I guess there's a little more spotlight on the program, but I think you guys have heard it just like I am. A lot of people are expecting them to take some type of sizable step back this year. So even on Saturday it feels like a lot of the hype for the game is kind of based on people wanting to see Colorado as opposed to seeing what TCU looks like at the national championship game loss.
3: Steven Johnson with us, final moments. So before we let you go, Steven, I want to ask you, uh, your top three in the Big 12 this year, it is tough to pick. We've done a lot of these previews. A lot of these teams are kind of stacked up in the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s in terms of their nationals ranking. TCU uh, obviously a little higher than that. Uh, who who are your top three going into this season?
5: I mean, I I kind of fit I kind of regret this, but at number one, I feel like you got to go with Texas. Like you just got to go with Texas when they bring back most experience. So... Yes,
3: can you hear me? <laughs> have you, I said, Steven, Have you not learned your lesson yet? Oh, okay, my bad. Doctor, call drop.
5: Man, I know, I know, but. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's literally a situation where either they're going to do it now or they're never going to do it because they're going to the SEC next year. And I just look at it, man, it's the, it's the deepest roster. It's the most talented roster. They added some good recruits, some good transfers. There's no excuses for them this year. So I will go with Texas, number one. Just trying to throw all my biases away. Number two, I would still go with Kansas State. Um, I think they're really a well-coached team. Will Howard is back. I think people don't realize how good he was last year, man. He gave TCU fifth, and he really changed, I think, the whole landscape for that team. Because if Adrian Martinez stays in there, I don't think they get to the Sugar Bowl. Um, they also added a really great running back from Florida State. Uh, they do have some question marks on defense with some of their stars, but I'll go with Kansas State, too. And I've got TCU at three. I I still have questions about Oklahoma. I know we're not used to them being bad, but they were really bad last year. And I I need to see a sizable jump from them. I know Texas Tech is the most popular kind of dark horse team, but they bring back a lot on offense. But I still have questions about the offensive line. They weren't great on defense last year. So I would go with Texas, K-State, and TCU as my top three teams right now.
3: I think I'd probably agree with that, begrudgingly, because how many times has Texas been picked to win this conference? And – failed to do so but we'll see steven yeah. great stuff we appreciate yeah. your time i appreciate you guys for the invite you Thank bet you all right there you go a little tcu football preview with steven johnson coming up at the top of the hour we'll talk to roger wallace who's part of the uh, university of texas broadcast crew uh, as we break down texas kevin saul joins us wichita state athletic director and we always hit you with a music question right out of the shoot, Kevin. Uh, any fandom for the Colt?
2: I can't say that I spent a whole lot of time uh, with the Colts. No CDs, no records, no tapes, no eight tracks that I can remember.
3: There you go. Uh, that uh, That's not surprising. Me neither. You are spending a lot of time preparing uh, for this athletic school year at Wichita State. We've seen some uh changes to coke arena already with handrails up in the higher uh seating sections which well you've gotten a lot of uh, compliments for that and then uh, kind of a new way to get into the arena tell us a little bit about always looking for improvements
2: well i'll be glad to uh, bob jeff thanks for having us on the show so we you may remember last summer we started with uh four or five listening sessions with our fans, and it created about 150 unique pieces of feedback. Before last basketball season, we were able to knock out right around 80 to 90 of those, and uh, certainly had some items that would require a little bit more effort um, or some resource planning. Um, And so you're seeing a couple of those here this week. Number one are the handrails in the upper deck, certainly has been a topic of conversation. pretty consistent one in my time here and and makes a whole lot of sense for us to look at that. The beauty of that project is those actually are are designed by uh, students and faculty in the College of Engineering here on campus, and they are actually been manufactured on campus on the innovation campus. So that part's been really, really good, and we contracted with a company to have those installed. So if you haven't seen those yet, um, they'll be really helpful for folks in the upper deck. And then the second component Is we purchased uh, brand new metal detectors and the new technology now allows you pretty much just to walk in at the speed of normal walking pace Um, we'll do some educational components Um, there's a couple of pretty common items that will trigger those metal detectors like a sunglasses case or a prescription glasses case but it's uh, pretty forgiving and the technology is such that uh, you can kind of just walk through and so um, it, it'll do a little over 2,000 uh, people uh, per hour, and so we've got those set up all over the concourse, and the goal here has basically met, been uh, folks that have been historically standing out in the cold waiting to get in while the others are going through screening, that that experience will, will be put to bed, um, if you will, and folks can just kind of walk right in. And uh, So that'll be good both two elements that we felt like was important for our ability to, to serve our, our uh, uh, the fans, season ticket holders, and Shocker Nation.
1: As far as uh, soliciting feedback, is that something uh, you'll continue to do regularly? What's kind of maybe like a, a time frame on, on how often uh, you would do something like that? And how do you kind of discern when you get those – 150 pieces of feedback do you say okay well let's get to work and let's do all 150 or or how do you kind of discern uh how to go down that list
2: i think jeff it would be like if you were putting together a list of a dozen home improvement projects you know you you might have some low hanging fruit that you can knock out pretty quickly that's going to take a little bit of organization or effort or energy or maybe just some different communication or collaboration and doesn't have a a significant monetary cost, there may be some things that that do have significant monetary costs that are going to require some planning. And so the rhythm for input of feedback, we will try to do something organized at least once or twice every year. And so we did those five listening sessions last summer. We did a a fan survey to solicit feedback. Um, right at the end of the season. Then we've also done as a part of our um, Your House on the Prairie campaign, set up um, a pathway for feedback as well. And so we'll continue to pound that drum. I think it's really important that we create a first class game day experience together. Um, There will be some elements that just may be outside of of, uh, what is realistic, but we're certainly going to make every effort that we can with the tools and resources that we have Uh, to put forth a first-class driveway-to-driveway experience for our fans.
3: Kevin Saul with us, Wichita State's athletic director. Always uh, happy to have him. Uh, So, Kevin, realignment. I don't know that we've talked to you a whole lot about it because it's kind of been at the football level, but obviously it's reaching now into every conference at every level. We're seeing it with the American, which obviously has uh, quite a few football-playing schools. In fact, everybody except the Shockers. Now the word is that it looks like perhaps SMU will be on its way to the ACC. That's not official yet, but we we expect that potentially could happen. Uh, what's it like for an athletic director? How much are you uh, monitoring all of this? Uh, how much do you... Uh, how, how many phone calls... I, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is Wichita State potentially... A part of all this realignment uh, down the road.
2: It's a great question, and I I think it's it's not necessarily a simple answer. I'll try to make it as simple as I can. It's it's an element that we have to pay attention to uh, among so many other elements, and and the way that we pay attention to it um, is to uh, stay regularly connected with with peers and our professional network throughout the country. Uh, to stay in consistent and constant communication with the league office, which certainly uh, has happened, will continue to happen. And then just to lean on trusted um, advisors, folks that have been a part of this. Um, We've got some very unique connections and resources um, available to us to help us um, forecast and project what could happen. And so obviously then you, you work through thoughts in your mind. But at the end of the day, We have a commissioner in Mike Oresco that has done a phenomenal job, um, walked into the old Big East Conference in a very challenging situation in the early 2000s. Having come from the TV side of the industry, he's got fantastic uh, connections uh, in the broadcasting world, Um, really transformed the Big East Conference and then had an opportunity to do the same in the American Athletic Conference and has created – you know, whatever you, you desire to call it, I, I think it, it, it rivals a power conference. It's, it certainly has been a high-quality conference, uh, both in, in football and basketball, but also other Olympic sports, and there's many attributes that, that we could talk about with the American Athletic Conference. At the end of the day, it's like um, you, when your coaches do really well, they're going to be sought out by other institutions. And so when you have institutions that do really well, they're sought out by other leagues. I think realignment, If you really think back, realignment started in the early 90s uh, with the SEC and South Carolina and Arkansas and the Southwest Conference transformation and the Big Big Eight transferring into the Big 12. And then you got into the early 2000s, the the Big East. And uh, I was a student athlete at TCU for three years, and we had three different leagues uh, all three of those years um, as a student athlete there. And you've seen it over the last decade and a half uh, in all the leagues. So, Guys, I actually think that we're probably living in a world where alignment realignment will occur in, in TV contract cycles. I think you'll see over time uh, as the five, six, and seven-year TV contracts cycle in and cycle out, you'll see um, uh, you know, questions and conversations happening about league affiliation. And so I, I think it is a fluid environment. It will continue to be a fluid environment. That being said, you can only consolidate so much. And uh, so we'll see where it goes. It's something we have to keep our our finger on and understand where we are. The unique piece for Wichita State specifically is we are the only non football playing institution in the American Athletic Conference. That's not a surprise. Um, We are tied at the hip with the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, because they are a football only playing institution. And so both Wichita State and, and Navy, um, if you will, are considered in combination one institution with one chair. And, and I think the important piece for us as we converse with our league is Wichita State, Navy, and every other member of the American Athletic Conference is fully a part of all realignment conversations. And so we will continue to, to monitor it, stay connected with our league office, and make sure that Wichita State's positioned in the right spot.
3: Kevin Saul with us. I'll follow up that question and then Jeff will ask uh, the final question of the segment. Uh, Is it okay? Am I naive to to wonder about the power of television? I know it's always been powerful. It seems to be more powerful than ever. Where are we headed with college athletics vis-a-vis TV?
2: Well, I think that the market, and again, we're guessing here a little bit, but uh, trying to, to make educated guesses based on trends and what we see, I, I think you're starting to see that even the television networks, uh, there's a ceiling to the, the amount of resources uh, that are available. If you you look at subscriber uh, numbers and you start to see the trends uh, shifting from linear television, the old uh, traditional cable networks, into uh, streaming and uh, streaming services, you're starting to see that transition. And so I think you will see over time, the next decade or two, um, streaming elements um, play a more significant role in college athletics and the broadcasting element. You've seen it in the recent Pac-12 conversations about Apple TV. Um, and you, you occasionally, if you're paying attention, you'll see it uh, in relation to some other streaming um, companies and so I think that's one piece. I think the other piece I mentioned is is that we'll see some realignment conversations that will circle around. I think cyclically with uh, the television contracts, but you know realignment is is a is a nebulous concept because um, you. Uh, you have a singular focus in terms of looking out for your institution, but you're also concerned with the strength and viability of your league. And you don't have all the information that the effort is to try to acquire as much as you can. And so I think television will continue to be a huge part. Obviously that plays a a significant financial component, significant from a recruiting standpoint, connection to your alumni database, your your alumni base, excuse me. Um, So again, critically important. I just think you'll see it evolve in terms of the streaming um capacity and and future realignment discussions
3: all right well next time you're on we'll uh, talk more about the individual sports i know volleyball is up and running as is uh as are the fall sports and i know you're excited about all that we appreciate your time kevin as always thank you
2: thanks for having us on the show and real quick for the listeners we've got our, our one lone home cross-country meet this uh Saturday at 8:30 and 9 o'clock the the men and women will uh, will run in the JK Gold Classic out at LW Clap Park. And so uh Saturday morning if you got uh, some time come out and support our student athletes, it'll be a great event. So thanks for again for having us on the show, guys.
3: That that would be worth it just to see that uh, park set up for cross country. That's uh that's highly yeah, absolutely. intriguing.
2: Coach Hunter and Rainbow the staff have done an awesome job setting it up. It will be a first-class uh, collegiate cross country venue.
3: Thank you. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Go Shockers. you Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director. We'll take a break, come back and talk some Texas football with Roger Wallace, KXKN lead sports anchor in Austin, part of the Texas broadcast team. He's our guest. Coming up.